It's nice to have a little review to tie it together, especially on the Sermon on the Mount, because the Sermon on the Mount is a sermon. And with any sermon, it's got introductions, it's got illustrations, it's got really deep parts, and it's also got quite light parts, which is kind of cool, because last chapter, being up to this point even, <clears throat> there was some pretty heavy-duty stuff. I mean, Jesus was talking earlier about, you know, um, uh, you know, swearing words like raka and very intense language. I got people probably all fired up and, you know, talking about your righteousness surpassing, you know, the religious leaders of the day, very deep political stuff. You know, he's, he's talking about ripping your eyes out and cutting your hands off and stuff like that. So really deep parts of the sermon. But now at this point, you know, he's starting to, to get a little bit lighthearted, and, which is nice as well, because when we're talking about not worrying and trusting in God, it's kind of nice to, to make it a bit light at that point, you know? So like a good sermon would do, introductions, you know, get right to the point, good illustrations, and there's gonna, he's going to be illustrating this point as well, not to worry. But we also need to keep it in context because a sermon needs to follow, you know? And so he's coming off of this here, the treasures. But remember last week I talked about treasures. What's important to you? What do you treasure? And we either, our mind, our heart, the heart, you know, what, what are, which speaks of our desires and our, our passions and our appetites. What is it that gets you up in the morning? What moves you? What shakes you? What gives you hope for your life? You know, what, 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 what carries you on the day and the week and the months? These things are your passions, and that speaks of your heart. But where your heart is, where these passions are, that's where we can find your treasure as well. And so Jesus says, please make sure that these things are stored in eternal treasure boxes. Not temporal treasure boxes. And that just seems to make sense. It just seems logical. Why store something in something that's temporal? By temporal, we're speaking of relating to or limited time, you know, temporal dimension, temporal or spatial boundaries of a relating to the material world, worldly, lasting only for a time, not eternal, but passing. You know, so it's stuff that, like it says here, can be broken into, you know, or, or rusted away or eaten by, you know, pestis. As opposed, we should store, it would make sense, it would be logical to, to store something that's eternal, that's unbreakable, impenetrable, you know, where the, the moths can't come in and the rats can't break in and chew away, the thieves can't steal it away. That's, that right there seems like a good place to store your treasure. And that's what we, we're coming off of. So if what's, what's important to us, what, what motivates us, what, which, what, what captures our hearts, if it's eternal, then therefore... The next slide, which gets us to where we are today. So therefore, you know, what's really important to you is either, this is still way review, so I apologize. I thought I was getting into the next one. What really is important to you is actually, again, it's eternal, truly safe in the eternal kingdom of God, or it's temporal, not so safe in this world. So, and the reason why I put those actually is it kind of help us kind of tie it together because the resulting mental state, I believe, of one, okay, think about it. My life, all that I invest in, all that I am, all that's important to me, it's eternal. If that's the truth, then the resulting mental state should be peace. Because 
It's safe. No, no, nobody can steal it away from you, right? But if what's really important to you, it really matters what you really invest your life and everything and you put everything into, if it's temporal, not so safe, then the resulting mental state would be anxiety. Like a bowl in China cupboard, man. I'm telling you, man. A bowl, B-U-L-L, not B-O-W-L. <laughs> so, anxiety is the, is the results. So, that, this is kind of putting us into the don't worry. You see how the don't worry comes in? It, it, it starts fundamentally at this point. And like a good sermon would be, we have to kind of draw the line and connect the dots. He's talking about treasure. He's talking about religion. He's talking about doing things to be seen not by men but by God. And now he's starting to talk about really our, a really important mental state. You know, this dispossession of peace versus anxiety. And so the next one. So now we get into it. And Jesus says here, hiding away in the shadows, in verse 25, Therefore, and again, therefore is there for a reason. It draws our attention from the last passage. So that means we're right into reviewing it and thinking about it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Life's important. Life's big. Life is your life. So it's easy to worry about it because it's, it's important. We ask ourselves a lot of questions. What do we invest our time, our money, our efforts doing, our power doing? How, what do we leave them behind? All these big questions. And it can be worrisome. But if it's stored away in the eternal treasure boxes of heaven, then we have no reason to worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. We have no reason to worry, so let's remember that and not worry. <laughs> it's almost like there is a part of our mind that has to convince ourselves that it's all right. <laughs> okay? There's no reason to worry. We're, we're, we're totally engrossed in the kingdom of God. We trust that the things that we do is for the glory of God, and we're doing it for the kingdom of God, and that's our home. That's our citizenship. That's where we dwell. That's, that's where we are. So there's no need to worry about your life or what you will eat or drink. And here's a couple of illustrations he's going to draw out. First is what we eat and drink. And the second one, or about your body, what you will wear. So it, in the time, in Christ's time, this, these are big, big, big issues. You know, it, it, this talks about your influence, your position in society, because what you eat, do you eat peasant food? Do you eat rich foods? What do you wear? Do you wear peasant clothes? Do you wear rich clothes? You know, as you climb the ladder of society and how people look at you and see you, you know, a lot of these a lot of people would be really concerned about this and anxious, worried about this. Am I excelling? Am I achieving? Or am I falling behind? Am I becoming lesser of a person? So what you eat and drink kind of signifies, oh, I eat the posh stuff or meat and posture stuff that I did last year. So I'm doing all right. Or the, what you wear. Hey, I'm looking pretty spiffy today. I'm, you know, I'm getting there. You know, I'm starting to afford the nice clothes. You know, I'm doing well for myself. So it's a, it's a sign of society and status and, and success as well. And he goes, is not life more than these things? Is it not more than food in the body, more than clothes? And of course, the word worry also can be translated as anxiety. Don't have this anxiety, worry. Very synonymous, these words. Worry about or anxiety. Next one. And so because of that, I thought maybe it'd be good to kind of do a quick little um, review on what anxiety is. I went to the NHS website. And on the website, he, they, they, they point as a reference to this website called mind.co.uk. So I, I looked at to see, and I grabbed some portions of it just to see what, what, what exactly does 
anxiety, stress. Yes, and there's a picture. I love this picture, by the way. This is, I saw this on a book of uh, Rabbi Zacharias, um, and, uh, and I remember it. And so I saw this picture again. I go, oh, I, I love that picture. It's a man on a pier side. It's because the lighting's kind of poor in here. You can't see very well, but there's just two people walking up the pier, and the guy's just freaking out there. It looks like a ghost almost. But that's, I think, that's the feeling that can happen when we are gripped with worries and fear. Things are surreal and aren't, don't look real. It should be a pretty picture because you think of a picture on a beach side, you know, on a on a on a pier side, it should be a pretty colorful picture. But no, the picture we see here is quite dark and gruesome. And I think that's what happens. Worry and anxiety, it turns our world and makes it something dark when reality is God would want us to appreciate the light and the beauty of this world, right? So what does it do? It's not so nice, first of all. That's what I put up there. Worry and anxiety, not so nice. Anxiety is something we all experience from time to time, okay? I thought that was important to put, you know, sure. You know, we all get anxious. We all get worried, you know? If you had to go, like, to see the doctor about something that's, you know, bothering you, you're not well, or maybe taking a test or a job interview, that would make sense to be, that's natural. It's almost like the flight or fight kind of senses within us, you know? But you may worry about feeling uncomfortable, appearing foolish, or how successful you will be. I think this ties in a lot with what Christ is saying about your status, you know, what you eat, what you drink, how you dress. You know, your success is a big part of what gives you anxiety worries. In turn, these worries can affect your sleep, appetite, and ability to even concentrate. So it's almost like a catch-22. It's almost like it almost puts you into a bind when you're trying to be free. You, know? you worry about these things, and it binds you up. You, know, you, you can't sleep. You can't think. You lose your appetite. So you, you, you're, not, you're not full. You don't have the rest you need to, to, to live, into your life. We're talking about life here, right? You don't have the, you lose your appetite, so you don't have the nutrition that you need to live life. And of course, your ability to concentrate. I think that's almost consequential. So everything goes well, the anxiety will go away. And that's kind of what we hope. But if anxiety stays, I can't read that. It's kind of hidden by that thing. If the anxiety stays, I think at a high level for a long period of time, you may feel that it's difficult to deal with everyday life. Anxiety may become severe. You may feel powerless, out of, your, out of control, as if you are about to die or go mad. So it can be very serious. If, and, and I think Jesus sees this. And I think Jesus is living in a time of broken hearts and broken minds and broken spirits. That's why he wanted to come and bless them. And he started by saying, blessed is the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are more. Because he cares for this problem. He cares. And he saw the problem of anger. And he saw the problem that comes from anger and the contempt and all the, the strife that comes from that. And he was concerned about it. That's why he was preaching and talking and trying to deliver people from that. He also sees the, 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 the problem of anxiety and worry and what it does to, to people in a society. People feel like they're going to die or even go mad. Fear combined with tension and lack of sleep can weaken your immune system. So actually physically, it can affect you as well, your actual health. Lowering your resistance to infection you may experience digestive difficulties, and you may also feel depressed. So there's an, there, there's an idea of what I think is happening with maybe our friends, our family, our neighbors, people within our society. They're gripped with worry and fear, anxiety. Why? Fundamentally, Jesus, I believe, is pointing, and he's making it very clear here, fundamentally, it's because their treasures are stored in, in a place that's not safe. And that leads to this fear, this, this, these worries, these concerns as opposed to putting your treasures in something that's eternal and safe. 
So continuing on, Matthew 26, 27 says this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. So again, look at the birds. Look. Pay attention. Here's some illustrations. Here's some, like, he's showing you. Come on. It's a simple, a couple of basic illustrations. We see birds. Birds kind of drive me crazy. Because sometimes they land up on my rooftop on the eaves and they try to get into the attic for a warm place to make a nest, you know, and and they're kind of irritating and they kind of stink. My son likes to chase them around when we go to Glasgow. You know, they, they, they eat the, the, the bread off the ground and, they, and there's hundreds of them and the kids just chase them around. They're kind of gross, but yet they don't worry. They just live. They just live. They flop around and they, when they're hungry. They find food. They don't store, they don't have barns like he says here. <laughs> That's what the picture of the guy trying to keep the birds from my barn. I don't have to store. They don't store things. They just go. They eat when they're hungry. Squirrels. <laughs> Squirrels do though. <laughs> So, but the illustration's here. Look at the birds. Yet God, they're there. They're there. God cares for them. He provides. And these are just birds. They're not people. They're not the beloved, you know, people that God has designed and created to be in the image of God. These These are birds. And birds are cool. I'm sure God loves birds. But they're not as valuable. And so the questions he asks make sense. And these are questions from the scriptures. I, 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 all the italicized are my words. All the untalicized are from the, directly from the Bible. And so here, the first question, and Jesus asks this straight out of the Bible in um, verses um, 26. It says this, um, are you not much more valuable than they, these birds? Are you not much more valuable than they? That's the first question. So we got to ask ourselves a question in light of what we're talking about here in this. And I like the, again, Father, that word comes up quite a bit. Father. Earlier he talked a lot about Father as opposed to the hypocrites. Now he's still talking about the Father. What does that mean, Father? What does that mean to you when I say Father? Does it mean provider? Someone who cares for you? Someone who is there for you? Unfortunately, we're in a society that's broken and many fathers aren't that way. But Jesus is talking about a father who is there, who provides, who cares, who loves, who adores. Okay? And so we need to reconstruct our idea about what a father really is. And Jesus is showing us this father we have of ours isn't going to abandon us and leave us. He is the heavenly father who's there and truly, genuinely loves us and cares for us. So he values us. So the answer to that rhetorical question, these are rhetorical questions. Because it's supposed to always be obvious and you know answered obviously. Yes, I am made in the image of God. I'm valuable, even more so than the birds. Of course, we're much more valuable than these these things. And the second question, which he asks us, which is in verse 27. Okay, so who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That's kind of ironic because according to that last slide we read, worrying and stress actually seems to shorten your life. (laughs) You see? And so Jesus is being clever as he is, you know, the master of the molecule, the master of all sciences and medicines and everything else. He sees into the body and he knows the destructive nature of worrying and stress and anxiety. He knows what it can do to the human body, breaking down the immune system and whatnot. You know, undernourishing your, your body and your mind and inability to concentrate, et cetera, et cetera. So he knows how damaging it could be. So can worrying add a single hour to life? Ironically enough, no. In fact, it might even shorten your life. And specifically the quality of your life. 
Why live a long life if it's going to be <laughs> bound by worry and anxiety? You're probably better off living a shorter life if it's going to be bound with stress and anxiety. He says life, life is meant to be lived. So worrying about it, is there any benefit to it basically? No, there's not. In fact, it might shorten your life and it might, and it probably will even, you know, lessen the quality of life. Next slide. So the next example he has here is, is, is image. You know, people looking at you. What do you, what do you dress like? What do you wear? You know, are you hip with the fashion? Are you hip with what's going on? Are you there? You know, are you, you know, how you present yourself? Do you have the labels? Do you have the, the you drive? Do you own? Do you, are you, you know, do, do you have the, the, the labels, the desire labels, or at least the, okay, okay, we're not that rich. You can at least have, you know, the, you know, the, the common labels, you know, as opposed to the cheapy stuff. People go, oh, you go to that shop, huh? The, you know, and so that's where he goes to next. Why do you worry about clothes? Verse 29 or 28. See how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. And so he uses Solomon, which is interesting. Solomon, known as one of the richest, wisest men of the Bible, you know, he had more than anybody could ever have or want or consume even more, so much. But yet he goes, but he still was lacking, lacking. Look at the fields, the lilies, the flowers, you know, and I love actually, I love it when, when spring comes and you see the, especially when you drive on the, on the M8 going to Edinburgh, you can see the fields and the, you know, the, the flowers, all the colors, the yellow and the purples and all the different colors come up. It's beautiful, shocking. God provides that. He makes that happen. He's in charge of the ecosystem. He, he makes that happen and he provides that for us for our enjoyment, but he, but he makes it happen. He, he's there. He's, he provides. He sustains. And, and this is just flower and grass or whatever, as he says here. And that's where the question comes in. This is, if this is what he does for grass and just flowers that come and then go away soon, you know, or, or just, you know, here today and they're gone tomorrow and thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? I like this word, little faith. It, you know, I call the little faiths. That's, that's us. We're the little faiths, isn't it? Sometimes. <laughs> it's a word, actually, that only Jesus used. In fact, even I was looking at some commentaries on this word. And um, even like within classical Greek at this time, there's nobody, there's no other usage of this particular word. Not even Paul, no, nobody except for Jesus actually used this word. It's a, it's a word that probably was engineered by Jesus to say something very specific to this very specific group of people. And that would include us probably. Us little face. You know, this, you know, we're learning, we're growing we're like we ones, you know, in faith. You know? But then again, it's powerful. Even having a little faith is powerful because Jesus says if you have the, the faith of a mustard seed, a really small thing, you can do mighty things. So it's okay to be a little faith, but sometimes we recognize that our faith is less than what it, it should be sometimes. So of course, the rhetorical question to this answer would be this. Or the rhetorical answer to this question would be this. Yes, I guess this little faith here needs to realize that God is there. He does value my life. And he does care for me. So he's there. That's an important statement to think. He's there. God's there. He's our heavenly father. He's there. And he is a father who is not going to leave us in the badness. He's there. And he cares for us. He values us. He cares for us. And I like to put this in the first person because it makes it really intimate. He's there. He's my father. He's there. He values my life. He's there. And he does care for me. But then again, is this 
really about image? Maybe it is. But I thought about it when I was putting this together. It might actually be about something a bit more than even just image. Let me go to the next slide. So a slide could have looked like this. You know, same verse. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow and they do not labor. Spin. Yeah, I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. Again, the light's not poor there, but it's a man, you know, living out. You know, maybe he's just there for temporary. Maybe he's there. That's where his home is. But he's out. And he's by a campfire out in, in the harsh elements. You know, would God make me to suffer? Harsh elements or even harsh circumstances. I think that's a big worry and a big anxiety for a lot of people. You know, and we think, we look at the news and we see about people who are suffering, you know, around the world. And we think, would God ever make me to do this? I don't know. I mean, there are people who are doing it. You know, there are people who are living in, in desperate situations, having to, to suffer hard elements and hard circumstances. So maybe, but the question still is there. But if God, this God who clothes the grass, the fields, which is here today and tomorrow, and is thrown on the fire, will he not much more clothe you, a little faither? <laughs> so again, yes, I guess this little faith needs to realize that God is there. And so the same question, the same answer applies. You know, Job, Job loved God, but yet he was tested. And he, and he lost a lot. And he suffered, you know, harsh circumstances. It may not be harsh elements. He may have still had a home and whatever. And still, you know, God, he's our father. Even in this temporal life, there might be very difficult things that we are called in our lives to live. To suffer, maybe even, like Job. But yet, God is still there. Is that enough for us? You know, do we really trust he will provide us through even hard times? And I hope that's what Jesus is really trying to get at with us. It's like, don't forget your God does, he's your father. He cares, he loves you, he values you. And look at, he will provide. The birds are cared for, they're fed. The fields are clothed. You know, you'll be warm. You'll be okay. You're mine. So don't worry about it. And so now he's going to wrap it up real clever. Real clever. Next slide. So in verses 31 to 34, and I have them all up there so we can read it together. Okay, very, very fascinating stuff here. So, therefore, do not worry. Do not worry. It's not worth it. It's just going to wind you up, and it's going to ruin your life. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? And this refers to the illustrations. What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these. Now the word pagans is interesting. We've, talked, we've come across that word several times. Pagans refers basically to, the, to common people. The people, just, just regular people, folk people. People who try to make sense of life. Um, usually refers to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, the people who didn't have God. So really it, it's normal, regular people trying to make sense of the world and life around them, but without God. Okay, that's what we see when you just see the word in the scripture of pagan. Uh, I know nowadays the word pagan can be much sophisticated, much more sophisticated. But, 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 but when we see it in the scriptures, usually that's what it refers to, people without God. Uh, and so these are people who don't know this father that we're talking about, this heavenly father who cares and values us and who has the power to sustain us. So they are very, so imagine living your life without God and the knowledge of God and trusting that he will be there for you and provide that's a fearful thing. And that's why they have the worries and anxieties. So don't be like them and worry like them because they don't know God. So they run after these things. They run after them because that's all they have. They live in a temporal world with a temporal existence 
And when the temporal thing is over, it's over. And so all they have and they do, it's all contained within this temporal existence. And that's kind of the world we live in today. That's the, many people live in that kind of understanding. And so they are full of worry anxieties. And our, so our hospitals, our doctor's offices, and our websites are filled with worries and anxieties and medicines and treatments. Because that's the people, the common regular people who don't have God. That's what they have. They have to chase after these things because they're worried. But your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. So again, they don't have the knowledge of this Heavenly Father that we do. Our Heavenly Father, He knows we need Him. Do you know that He knows that you, we... <laughs> I hope you know that He knows that you need these things. I hope He knows that, you, that He'll care for you. He knows it. He, he's God. He knows all things. And He's there and He's real. You see how it all comes together, guys? Practicing the closest of God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's here. He's close to us. It's us who pushes him away. It's us who don't recognize it. It's us who don't see him. But he's there, and he's close, and he cares. But seek first his kingdom. But that's what you should do. Rather than chasing these things around, stop and seek his kingdom first. And then these, and his righteousness, the daikasune, his kingdom and his... So this speaks again, we've studied this in depth, his will, his... Um, you know, his plans, you know, what's, what's, he, what's, he, what's he doing, what's going on? You know, his ways, and of course, his heart. We want to know the heart of God, have the heart of God. That's what we talk about, we talk about the righteous or the daikasune. Seek his kingdom and his righteous. And all these things that are important, we need them, they will be given as well. Therefore, now like this, this is a bit of practical, a good sermon has practicalities. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. That's some practicalities. Worry about today. Think about today. Tomorrow, if you spend your whole life worrying about tomorrow, next week, the next month, you're going to kill yourself. The weight on your back, it just it's undo. Your, your body can't handle it. Secular science even says it. Secular you know, institutions, like a slide we saw earlier from that random website that was referred to from the NHS. You know? They even say your body can't handle it. It'll shut down. Your immune system will be affected by it. Your belly will rot and you know, you'll go mad. <laughs> or feel like you're going mad at least. So here's an experiment. Since each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough worry for our little bodies to handle, us little faithers. So here's an experiment. We like experiments. That's kind of who we are. We like to put things to test. Let's do this this next week and see how it goes. In the morning, each morning, think about how much trouble your day will have in foresight. So think about, just today, Monday's here. Monday, what kind of trouble, what kind of worries we have today? What kind of troubles we have today? Think about it. Maybe even jot it down. Make a little list. Okay? And then at the end of the day, reflect back about how much actual trouble there was in that day. Okay? So column B. Write down. Okay, well, this is some trouble, but... And this is some trouble. And then compare it. Actually, in the morning, I thought it was a lot worse than it actually was. We had some trouble. I had to make an uncomfortable phone call or I had to you know, go do this and it wasn't pleasant. But really, compare it and see what happens. I reckon, I think Jesus is reckoning here that actually the worries of the day are a lot less than we think they are going to be in the morning. So again, was there more than what, you know, more worry and anxiety than what was expected, more troubles, more woes? than what was expected. Uh, so again, at the end of the day, reflect about how much actual trouble you're in your day. Was there more than was expected? If so, you're probably normal. I don't know what that means. I put it there because I thought 
I was being clever, but I don't know what I was even saying. But there's experiment. Do that. Two columns. One in the morning, one in the evening. One looking at, oh. And the thing is, if we did a list about the whole week or the whole month, oh, we'd be nuts. <laughs> but, but the thing is, common sense tells us if, if the day is less worried than what we think it's going to be, imagine like if your worries were at 10 in the morning, but yet at 2 in the evening when you look back and retrospect. Now, multiply 10 by a whole month. So 10 by 30, we'll say. 300 compared to 30 by 2, 60. You see how it amplifies and multiplies? So the whole point is this. Think about just a day, but think about, but realize, look back and reflect. Really, the troubles of the day aren't as bad as you think it is, but it's enough. So I hope that makes sense to you. i uh-huh.